0: We're in Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 31.
1: Good morning. We'll give you a moment to find it. As you said, my name is Corinne. You're doing my job. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And he said to his disciples... If then you are not able to do as a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows what you, that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
0: Thank you, Corinne. So we're in the series, Rich Towards God. Re- real quick overview, uh, the four weeks we're covering last week was Eternal Perspective. Don't be greedy, live for eternity. And that's easier said than done, but we talked about what Jesus had to say about greed and eternity. Uh, This week is contentment, next week is treasure in heaven. Our friend Sandy Mason will be preaching that, and then stewards, uh, not masters, will be the last. But this is Jesus in the midst of this crowd. A guy asks him, hey, tell my brother, give me my inheritance. And he just goes off on these very poetic, beautiful little sermonettes about money, specifically about this relationship we have with money. A few people told me, like, oh, man, you're, it was an interesting start to the series. I'm like, oh, what made it so interesting? I was like, well, you didn't ask anyone to tithe. I'm like, oh, man, I did have that in my notes, but <laughs> I just forgot. I, it, that's, it's bigger than that. It's about your heart and money and how that relationship is. That's what matters. That's what Jesus is getting after. He's not trying to fill the giving boxes in churches. He's trying to fill your heart with something better and my heart with something better. That's why he's teaching this. So that's what we're talking about again today. What is your relationship like with money? Specifically in the area of worry or anxiety and contentment. Like you could ask it one of two ways and get at the same result. Like how how worried are you about money How much does worry and anxiety occupy your heart and mind regarding money and finances and stuff? Or on the flip side, how content are you with what God has already given you or not given you? Like, where are you at with that? If you're going to pay a counselor to help you through this, what would be your initial answers on the intake document you'd have to give to say, here's why I'm coming to see you? How is your relationship with money, specifically with worry and contentment? And oftentimes I'll give a big idea like this is exactly where I'm going to land this plane. And I I have a place I'm going to land the plane. But more, I thought about uh, this if this was a book that Jesus was writing on money, here's what the book title would be. And here's what I have for you. Jesus and money, Bob Marley, bird watching, and the goodness of God is the subtitle. (laughs) I think I'd be a great... Book writer, if I just had to do the table of contents in the title. I don't want to too lazy to write all the words that have to go in the book, but that's my book title. Bob Marley, Bird Watching, and the Goodness of God. Specifically, here's what I think we're gonna see in here. Jesus has a big hope for all of us with our relationship with money. One big hope. He's also got a very simple tool that all of us can do, and then he's got some beautiful truths that all of us need to be reminded of. So that's where we're going today. A big hope, a simple tool, and beautiful truth. So I want to pray and just enter into this space to hear from the Lord about money once again. God, thank you for the generosity you've given this church in terms of just fruitfulness and people and all the stories and then just the leaders that you're given and bringing and affirming. Um, So we sit in a a seat of abundance as a church. Uh, We're not lacking. Yet we all have individual stories here and angst and worries about life and all that comes with it. So God, by your spirit now, open up hearts to hear what Jesus has to say about money. Do that this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's the first thing. Jesus' big hope for our relationship with money. Very simply, verse 22 and 23, which Corinne just read. Let's read it again together. And he said to his disciples... So interesting, he was talking to the crowd, now he's talking to his disciples. So this is like even more so a church, like listen up, followers of Jesus. Here's how we should think about this. He said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, or what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Bob Marley says, don't worry about a... For everything's going to be all right. Don't worry. Steve loves this song. He's got it tattooed somewhere on his body. I know you do. Look <laughs> at right there. Jesus and Bob Marley sound very similar in this moment. That song is even called Three Birds. Don't worry about a thing. Everything's going to be all right. Jesus, do not worry. Do not be anxious about your life, what you eat, nor about your body, what you put on. For life is more than these things. So before we get into what Jesus says, I just want to make sure we're clear on what Jesus does not say. Jesus nowhere here says, do not work for clothing, food. Work is a part of the creative order In Genesis 1 and 2, God put Adam and Eve to work. Genesis 3, because of sin and rebellion, work becomes now what the Bible says is thorns and thistles. Everything annoying about your job is because Adam and Eve sinned, and we all have sinned ever since. Jobs are harder than they should be, but they are not unnecessary. They are part of how God has wired this world. Now, as Christians, we are filled by the Spirit, and the biggest part of our Christian life, for most of us, for a good chunk of time, is our work life, our vocation, our spirit-filled presence and witness before the men and women boys and girls that God has us in our places of work it matters we are witnesses right now in our jobs that does not mean every time you open your mouth and share that you have to share the gospel it means your very presence matters in your job and then one day Jesus is coming back and he's going to make all things new and guess what we're going to be doing working Revelation says it this way, the nations, the groups, the people groups are going to bring their glory to the throne and give it to king. What's the the glory? It's their work. It's what they're doing. It's the technology and the food and the way they put flavors together to make this dish. They're going to present back to God in an act of worship forever. That's what eternity is going to be. Perfect work on a perfect earth with a perfect king forever. Work is a part of that. Jesus does not say don't work. That's not what he says. Even in Thessalonians, there's a guy who's kind of slacking because he heard that the Messiah is going to be back real soon. And Paul says, tell that guy to get to work. If he doesn't work, he does not eat. Work is a part of this. But here's another thing Jesus does not say. He does not say, do not be anxious, period. Like this isn't a mental health sermon that Jesus gave for us to use with people navigating mental health in a lot of different ways. He says, don't be anxious about this and this. In the other one, he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will fill your heart. But in this moment, he is not just saying a blanket statement, do not be anxious. So just a, like a tiny sidebar, in a world filled with depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, panic disorder, Here's what I believe wholeheartedly. There are good doctors. There are good counselors. There are good pastors. Here's what I believe wholeheartedly. There are bad doctors. There are bad counselors. And there are bad pastors. One of the ways I think pastors can be bad is by minimizing mental health to say, here's a verse, fix it. That's not at all what's being said here. Jesus is talking about money. If you come to me and you have some sort of mental health, I'm going to ask you questions, but there's a good chance I'm going to say, I think you should see this psychiatrist. I like him. This lady's great. This guy's great. Or see this counselor. Don't go to this counselor. I don't think they'll help you. The Christian discipleship framework is not come into a church and the Bible is the thing that's going to fix whatever might be off in your brain or with your levels of whatever. God gives us the grace of medicine and nutrients and things that help our body. So this is not a mental health thing, but I just know that on the front end, uh, you talk about money, which is hard to talk about, and the mental health, and the collision intersection of these could be like... Whoa. Jesus is not blasting mental health stuff. He's inviting us into a discussion about our relationship with money and what money's doing to us. And he says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Do not worry about your finances. That is a wild statement. Nobody believes that. Nobody. I don't believe it, and i got to preach it. Do not worry about anything. Don't be anxious about your body, what you're going to put on, any of that. Here's why I want Just assume I had the ability to snap my fingers and make that truth sink into all of our hearts. And we grabbed hold of it 100%, and we walked out of here. How different would our lives and the spheres of influence we have be? It'd be amazing. I can think about all the people stressing to no end because of the economy and everything. And we walk out and we just got this posture of, I'm not worried about my clothes or my money or my food because Jesus told me not to be. I wish it could be that easy. It's not because we have worries like I think about all the young people who want to buy a house. Not to be the old guy, but like, good luck. <laughs> Although I went through the same thing. I bought my first house before everything crashed, and every single one of my friends bought a house because everyone around them was saying, you have to get a house now. If you don't get it now, you will be left behind. Buy a house now. So they all bought a house, all of them. We're all like college-age kids, didn't know much. Or early in marriage and they all bought a house and guess what happened to every single one of them without an exception they all lost their house 2008 everything crashes why because they're not living out of this reality of i'm not worried it's i'm worried about what people are telling me so far i must jump into stuff earlier than i should they were worried about the wrong things jesus says don't worry now what if you're like really worried about some of this stuff i think of end of life care you got to provide for parents that as I think about money, I'm like, oh, kill me before any of this has to happen. Because everyone I talk to is like, it is a lot of money. <laughs> and then you actually have to have adult siblings like, who can get along to take care of. So it's like double whammy. Jesus says, don't worry. What are we supposed to do if we're worried and anxious? Just stop it. Is that the answer? I got this video, it's an old mad TV clip, but I think it just paints the picture of how I think most people think Jesus interacts with us. It's a good Bob Newhart clip, so watch this story on how to fix your anxiety.
2: ...about the problem that you wish to address.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic
2: has has, has anyone ever ever tried to (laughs) to bury you alive in a box?
1: no no but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible I mean I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house anything boxy
2: (laughs) so what what you're saying is you're uh, you're claustrophobic uh
1: yes yes that's it (laughs)
2: All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm. Uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> you ready? Yes. Okay. Here, here they are. Stop it! I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So,
1: what are you saying?
2: (laughs) You know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English.
1: Stop it! So, I should just stop it.
2: There you go. I mean, you, 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 you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> it is. Then
1: stop it! <laughs> I can't, I mean, it's been with me no, since no,
2: no, childhood. No, <laughs> no, no, no. No, we don't go there, just, just stop <laughs>
0: man. So good. Just stop it. (laughs) Jesus could have said, don't be anxious. If you're anxious, stop it. Just knock it off. Jesus does not do that. Here's what I think Jesus wants to see. Worry, anxiety is this. It's an invitation by the Spirit to enter into prayer and dependence on God. It's not a reminder of all the ways you've come short of what Jesus wants for your life. It's an invitation. And what does Jesus invite his disciples into? Verses 24 uh, through 28 tells us one simple i mean childlike simple tool that he has for us in the area of our relationship with money let's read verse 24 down to 28 here's jesus simple tool consider the ravens they neither sow nor reap they have neither storehouse nor barn and yet god feeds them of how much more value are you than the birds and which of you being anxious can add a single life to, uh, a single hour to his span of life? If you then are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Let's just assume you're called on by someone to give counsel in the area of money. Someone comes to you and they've got big issues. They've got debt or they've got medical stuff that they can't control or they're aging parents. They're trying to, they're whatever it may be. What is the first piece of advice you're going to give them? It is not this. It's here's Dave Ramsey's book. (laughs) Here's my budget. Here's a podcast that helped me. And here's a way to track your spending that you need to start doing. Here's a lot of tools. Jesus does not start with the practical financial tools. He goes for the heart. And he says, consider the ravens. Same passage in Matthew says, look up at the birds. Consider the ravens and consider the lilies. Just so you know, he chose those specifically. Ravens are like the baseline most ugly, most easy to overlook bird. And lilies is not like pretty lilies. It's just a basic word for flower. The equivalent for us Phoenicians would be, consider the pigeons and the lantanas, which we walk by a million times a day because, like, nobody cares about lantanas. And they've got flower galore on there. Consider that bird and that flower. Jesus does not say, go to Malibu, go to La Jolla, go to Montana, and just look at creation And worship the Lord in his goodness. And then enter back into this space of anxiety with your money. He says, take a walk in your alley, on your street, right down 7th Street, and look at the ugliest bird you can find. And look at the lantana, which has never been stopped to be looked at by a human being. Ever. Ever. And consider. And how much more value are you than those? Part of Xavier's role is going to be formation, which is spiritual disciplines and rhythms and making us more into the image of Jesus through how we posture ourselves. This is a spiritual discipline that nobody in this room can say, ah, that's a little beyond me. That's a little too complicated. There's no book he gives, no big podcast. It's simply take this, consider the birds, look at the ravens, do this. Now, why does he tell us to do this? Here's the reality. We live in a world where there is a current that's already happening. Romans would say uh, uh, the, the, the current of the world is going, so you need to stop and renew your mind. I think the major current of the world we live in is anxiety. It's like the air we breathe. So we live it, it's like picture you're in this river and you got your feet down, but the water is pushing you in a direction. And Satan and the world and your own flesh are wanting you to move in a direction. How do you plant your feet and stop? Not only to stop, but maybe actually move against the current. You position yourself with spiritual disciplines is what the church would say for the last 2,000 years. Well, what are your spiritual disciplines? Everyone always goes, I don't read my Bible enough and I don't, I probably agree and you probably don't. However, you can do this. All of us can go outside and look at the bird and look at the flower and stop and consider. What a beautiful gift from Jesus. Like money and anxiety and worry, everything. He's like, all right, guys, just once in a while, stop and consider the pigeons and the lantanas. How much more value are you than those? Here's some questions I have for you. Do you have any spiritual disciplines that take you outside? Like, actually outside. <laughs> it's a follow-up question. Do any of those spiritual disciplines take you out of your own head in the mental loops that you've created? Or is it like you go outside and you just get to be the narrator of all things? Further than that, do any of those spiritual disciplines take you up to the beautiful truths of God? I think that's all Jesus is saying. He's like, we can talk about money and I can give you a Ramsey book and there's a lot of good tools. Those are all necessary in different seasons of life, but this is necessary in every season of life. We need to stop and consider the ravens and let those thoughts take us to higher thoughts as we think about God. And that's where I want to end is just what are the beautiful truths we see from the Lord as we're outside considering the ravens? What is Bob Marley's promise that we're supposed to hold on to? don't worry. Why, Bob? Because everything's going to be all right. Eh. Deceased at 36. Uh, Is it all right? Jesus doesn't give us a bland Rastafarian. It's going to be all right, man don't worry, what are the truths he gives us? Here's the first thing he tells us, and it's verse 23, is your life is more than just food and your body is more than clothing. He takes Christians to a a different reality that nobody lives in. He's like, stop and just remember that your life is more than these things. It's more than food and clothing, which is a crazy statement because you need food and you need clothing. But here's also just a crazy reality, just taking some empirical data in this room. All of us have clothing, and all of us have had enough food to get us to this point in our life. So it's like God's kind of come through on his promise, for us at least. Don't worry about a thing, because life is more than these things. Like here's what's crazy, I was thinking about this clothing piece, I'm like... I'm not like a huge clothing guy, I like it, but I can tell you exactly what I wore my first day of high school in 1997. Beyond baggy, cream pants that were just crisp, black and white Adidas and a Miller's Outpost blue, wonderful polo because I was gonna be the greatest guy ever to set foot on Peoria High School. I looked good. Why do I still remember exactly what I wore? Because I was not a Christian and I thought life is about this. It's about your clothes and how you look. Like, this is the extent of life. And Jesus says, life is more than those things. Way more than those things. And those of you that are bad dressers, you're like, finally a yes. message. Yes. And you're like, I've been waiting for this for 40 years. With my white dad shoes, finally. Jesus says a little more harsh in another area. He says this, do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Meaning there is an unseen world that is just as real as what we see. Fear him who is in control of both of those worlds. Don't fear anyone in this world. And don't fear what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink. The second thing he says, beautiful truth, is your life is not improved by your worry. Verse 25. He sort of puts it on us, like, all right, let's test this. And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small, I love Jesus, that's a tiny thing. Just add a little bit of time to the end of your life. None of you are able to do that, then why are you anxious about the rest? Worry does not work, which we all, if we stop and we think about, we know that intellectually. We just don't believe that in our heart. Tom Schrader, founding pastor of our church, I love him. He has one of the greatest quotes ever about worry. He says, don't tell me that worry doesn't work. 99% of the things I worry about have never come true. (laughs) It works every time, just about 99 out of 100, because I worry about it, and it does not come true. Yes, but you can't add anything to your life by worry. Worry is not adding anything to your life. It's not improving your life. So what are you supposed to do as worry hits you? Jesus says, go outside and consider the ravens and look at the lantanas and just remember that the worry you just had moments ago has not added anything to your life. And that ugly raven and that ugly lantana, God cares about this much compared to how much he compares, loves and values you. But then finally, I think the big heart of Jesus is the heart of God coming through in this spiritual discipline. He's not trying to bring guilt and shame and fear on us. He's trying to invite us into the heart of God and takes us to our third beautiful truth. Here's what Jesus really wants us to leave with today. Your life is more valuable than the least valuable thing in all of creation. Like you're valuable. More than, look at that thing, more than that, look at that thing, more than that. You are more valuable than any of these things. I was just had to send-off. Our CFO just retired. We had a great dinner out in Gilbert to celebrate Neil Pitchell. And one of the ladies got up and said something just so beautiful. She became a widow early, 52, recently. She's like, I love Redemption Church. It has taught me truth upon truth upon truth. I know the truth because of this church. But then when that happened, that intersection hits my life. I need to be reminded that those truths are still true. And Neil, you did that for me. You came to my house, and you told me the truth that I had remembered once. And I needed to remember again. And this truth that Jesus drops on us through this image of looking at birds is not new truth that you're valuable. It's an old truth that you just need to stop, look at the bird, look at the antenna, and say, I'm more valuable than these, and God has taken care of this and this. How much more of value am I? Psalm 139 would say this about how God thinks about us. For you foreign my inward parts... This is him talking about how God thinks about us. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. And how vast is the sum of them. So let's just talk about your day tomorrow and we'll be done. Like what if you implemented this very simple discipline into your life? And you looked at birds from time to time. And you looked at lantanas. And you considered God has taken care of that bird and clothed that flower up to this point. How much more does he value me? Don't worry about your life, about your food, about what you put on. Why? Because your heavenly Father cares for you. And here's what the, this is Jesus the rabbi. This is before we even get Jesus the Savior. These people are sitting at the feet of Jesus the rabbi. We as a church sit at the feet, the, the feet of the cross of Jesus the Savior. When we go out there, we have some stuff that we know should keep us from the love Of God. It's called sin. And we get to, because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, who bled and died for us, we get to go out there and look at the ravens and look at the lilies and still say, How much more valuable am I that you would die for me? That's the gospel. We don't get stuff because we've earned it. We get stuff because He loves us so much. And we don't believe that. So He says, Do not be anxious. Little children, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor about your body or what you'll put on. And he ends with verse 29, and do not seek what you're to eat or what you're to drink, nor be worried. All the nations of the world seek after these things, but your Father knows that you need them. Church, verse 31, instead seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Do not be worried about your life or what you'll eat. He cares for you, amen? Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And we're anxious and we're worried about many things. And we confess that. And I'm worried and anxious about many things. And I get stuck in the mindset that this life, what I'm eating, what I'm wearing, are ultimately what matters. And what matters is when I go outside and I look at a bird, what are the thoughts that I have of you? So God, fill us as a church with beautiful Truths about you towards us. How much more valuable are we than those? So God, help us. You had to teach this because we don't get it, and you put it in the Bible because we don't get it, and we preach it because we don't get it. So help us. We're hard headed and we're little faith. Give us a little more faith today. Jesus name we pray.